This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Jessica Andrade puts her title on the line against Zhang Li in China. BJ Penn gets into a street fight again. Conor McGregor does a 40-minute interview with Ariel Helwani. Darren Till moves up to middleweight to face Kelvin Gastelum at MSG. And we answer your questions for the first time ever. We are taking questions on Twitter and answering them. We're also joined by Zach Cummings, who faces Omari Akhmedov at UFC 242 in Abu Dhabi, which is coming up very soon next weekend. We're excited about that. Thanks for listening. Uh, sorry, thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa. Order the podcast, tell your friends, review the show, and subscribe. We appreciate listener feedback. If you have anything you want to tell us about the show or combat sports in general, at Aaron Bronstetter, at Bazooka Joe V on Twitter is where we can be reached. Mm-hmm. Joe, are you excited to answer people's questions? Today? I am. You got me all excited. This is a surprise for me today. I was hoping Something people would new. ask. Yeah, like I was hoping people would ask weird questions, but no, yeah. we didn't get nothing weird. No, it's all MMA, right? Like, what hair product does Joe and Aaron use? What do you use? Um, I'm actually, what's it called? It's called KMS. Okay. KMS. Not too sticky, not too waxy, washes out nicely. Yeah, it's called KMS. It's nice. You like it? Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. I always end with a little hairspray, too. Just freeze that bad boy in place, mm-hmm. and then you're good. Yeah. You're good to go. That's good. There you go. Yeah. I, I should use hairspray more often. I feel like it, it will hold it in place. Yeah, for sure. I just don't have a good brand. Like, I have that really... With Tresemme or whatever, that really cheap brand. Yeah, yeah I, I use no that one, too. No disrespect to Tresemme. I, just, I, I actually oh, use that use one, it? too. Yeah, yeah. It has the the black and green one, usually. That's the one that I that's have. The, that's how I, I, I like I a little bit of that one. for me, yeah. That doesn't hold? No, I don't. That I, one's really sticky and, and, and firm. Okay. There's the other ones. Uh, it's like a, a lighter one. I just kind of sometimes use it if I want a drier look, but sometimes they make it too sticky and wet looking, and I don't like those ones. But mm-hmm. that Tresemme one, if, if I'm saying it right, is good. I forget the name of my gel, but I love it so much. It's uh, it's actually Jason House, who's an uh, an agent in MMA. His friend owns this company. Hmm. For whatever reason, I can't remember what the name is And you can called. get it at like Shoppers Drug Marts and stuff? I, you no, know, you get it off Amazon. It's actually like a pretty specialty product. Oh, okay. I'm, it's... It says made like made by barbers for barbers. I'm going to find the name of it right now. But uh, we've got uh, we've got a lot to talk about. The UFC is in China, and we've actually got a Chinese contender in Zhang Veili. Yeah. What, what do you think her chances are? Well, I mean, uh, the history of Chinese martial arts has always been incredible. And, I mean, they're just mostly known for the stand-up fighting. And I know um, – uh, can you help me with her name again? Zhang Veili. Zhang. Because I know uh, – because when I have to go to China, I know the Z-H-A-N-G is Zhang. Yeah. Zhang Wei Li. So mm-hmm. um, I know she, she comes from a Sanda background, which is uh, basically a, a Chinese art of kickboxing. Um, has a little bit more throws, but from seeing her style, I think I think that's her her speed and her aggressiveness is going to be one of her her main attributes. But to have a Chinese champion, I think it's just it kind of seems like the UFC is hoping. Um, with the PI Institute opening up there, and to have the the first Chinese champion, I think will be huge uh, market that opens up. Because I know um, with kickboxing, it's it's pretty big market there. So if they can get uh, mixed martial arts there as well, I think it'll help everybody out. Absolutely, I mean having a champion would be unbelievable for China. I, there there haven't been anybody that's gotten close. Yeah, I mean you also have to keep in mind she's only been in the UFC for a year. Like she debuted in August of 2018, and this I think her third or fourth fight in fourth the fight, UFC yeah. only. Yeah, so it's a pretty big ascension for her. Yeah. It kind of seems though, like her being the, um, you know, the contender, that it's kind of in her favor that the UFC really would like her to win almost. Yeah, I think that it would be way better for business if the UFC wins. But it's also important to have champions from Brazil, especially yeah. one that Brazilians get behind. From what I understand from a lot of Brazilian reporters that I talk to, whenever fighters move to America, like Amanda Nunes, for example, even Anderson to an extent, 
fans kind of turn on them. They they really like people that are national, like that are very big. That stay in terms true of, like, to yeah, them. That are very loyal to Brazil and stay in Brazil. And uh, Jessica Andrade is one of those people. She doesn't speak English. Trains in Rio de Janeiro. So the fans are really firmly behind her. So it's good for the Brazilian market that she's the champion there as well. Yeah. It just sucks to be the champion and have to defend your title in the contender's home. Right, yeah. But on the flip side of that, where did Andrade win the title against Rose Namajunas in Rio de Janeiro, right? Yeah. So, okay. you know, you got to <laughs> take, gotta the, take it, roll yeah. with the punches, right, yeah. as they say. So um, that gel, by the way, Layright is the company. Layright. I actually have Layright. Yeah. I bought recommend. some off the other day. I used their clay. Yeah. One of their clay ones, their matte clay one, I actually have too. I use a matte, the matte gel. I, yeah. I like it a lot. The clay is a little too uh, too hard in my hair still, mm-hmm. but it's still nice. I like it. Lay right. Yeah, big Good fan. call. So uh, they don't pay for an, uh, uh, sorry any sort of advertising here, Shit. so I'm just going to endorse them. Uh, all right. So again, going to China. If you look at the card and you see who's on it, there's like so few people that even the the most diehard of MMA fans will. Yeah, I, I can't are. even. I can't names even, you can't even pronounce people from like Mongolia. Yeah, I can't even name one right now on the main card. Yeah. So I, come on, you know like Li Jinglang, don't you? Like he's been the, the leech. Yes, I know, but I mean, I couldn't tell you his name by his face. Oh, you I mean could like say, if I told, if I said name someone? If on you're the main like card. Uh, Li Jinglang fought, is fighting, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I have no idea, but now that I see his picture, I know who he is. Okay. But um, outside of him on the main card, I can't tell you anybody else. Zalaski dos Santos, he's on a big win streak. You got Kai Kara France of the uh, the flyweight division. He's very good. Yeah, you know, there's good names. There's good names, but I can't recognize them. Movsar Evlovev is uh, facing Zhen Hong Lu, who's making his debut in the UFC. They've fought each other in the past, but Lu's an exciting fighter. The problem with this particular matchup is that Lu's best path to victory is taking guys down, and he's got like vicious ground and pound. But Evlovev is an amazing wrestler, so. I don't know how he's going to win that fight. That's why he's a 6-1 to one underdog. But uh, taking it on short notice, he's been one of the best fighters in China for some time. But, uh, again, the, the odds don't really indicate that. Yeah, It's one of those things where you have a late-notice opponent against somebody who's a really hot prospect undefeated, and people will just steam the undefeated guy regardless of doing the research. But Lou is a good fighter, so we'll see how that one goes. Give me a – because I don't know too much about uh, Zhang. Uh, what would you tell me um, about her? Because I don't think – with only three fights, I mean, you have to be really absorbed in the women's divisions to kind of know how good she really is. Yeah, so with Zhang, she's just really big for the division, similar to an Andrade. She's big, powerful. Um, her striking is great. She's got really good, uh, like, the ratio of how often she gets hit to how often she hits her opponents is basically double. So she's got excellent footwork. Um, she's got a lot of power. She's historically been a finisher she's finished 84 percent of her fights in her professional career which at 115 pounds is very impressive in the women's division as well so it's one of those uh situations where you've got a really really tough strong big opponent for jessica andrage who is big and strong herself now zhang's never been taken down in the ufc that said sample size against three fighters who aren't really known for takedowns whereas andrage is a lot better in that regard. Yeah, as soon as she clinches up on you or yeah, grabs you in some body you're going, you're lock. Going yeah, you're going for a ride. Look at Rose Nama Yunus, right? Yeah, That's you're how going. that fight ended. Yeah, so I think, it, yeah, I guess that, I guess Zhang's going to want to keep that distance and, and keep hitting and moving. Exactly. Like, she needs to just keep it as technical as possible. Yeah. Because Andrage, her best bet usually is to just overwhelm opponents with volume, with power, and, uh, that's how she's had a lot of success in terms of the striking game, whereas Zhang has a completely opposite game plan. She wants to hit you, get out, hit you, get out. Does a lot of good legwork, so you'd, you'd appreciate yeah. that from watching her. I was going to say, traditionally, San Shao fighters are really good with their kicks. Yeah, great kicks. 
Um, great high kicks. Throws yeah. round, like throws a lot of interesting stuff. So strong diversity of attack against somebody who, uh, in Andrade, who really her best weapon are her fists, and she's, yeah, she's been yeah pressure. So this is actually almost a if not for Andrade's takedowns, and Zhang has decent takedowns too. It's almost a, a kickboxing match. So I think you'll you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Um, what's your early predictions on the fight? Well, I like Andrade. I think that Andrade. The issue that I have is that. I think that the line is off. I think Andrade should be more of a three to one favorite. She's minus one sixty or something along those lines. We'll mm-hmm. give her picks a little bit later on, and okay. she'll be she'll be in in one leg of my parlay. Um, you might do the same. I don't know, but um, I think that Zhang has not faced close to the level of competition of an Andrade. Her last win is over Tisha Torres, who I think has lost four in a row now. Yeah, she hasn't been yeah, on a so, nice positive streak. I mean, if you look, if you go down the list, like Dana White kind of explained why Zhang got the next shot. Uh, Suarez was injured. Um, Rose doesn't want to fight right now. She's taking some time off. Um, I forget who the number three was, but I think they were also injured or had already lost to Andrade in the past. So just going down the ladder, that would Zhang be was Nina Ansarov. Yeah, Ansarov. Sorry, it was coming off a loss. Ansarov was coming off a loss to Suarez. And then so, yeah, Joanna Janjacek was booked yeah. already, right? No, Joanna was like had. Um, they didn't want to give Joanna a title shot with you know her record one and three in her last four. So okay. They, and I think she wanted a little bit more time off as well. And then Zhang was next, if I'm not mistaken, something along those lines. So Zhang was like basically the next one in line, which I guess makes sense. And Dana White explained it perfectly with, as to why they gave her the shot. Um, and she's sixth right now in the rankings. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So who's one spot ahead of her? Uh, Claudia Gadelia. Okay. Well, Gadelia, I think, is also coming off. A, oh, no, she's coming off a win. But... Um, Andrade has beaten her in the past, so that's probably Well, regardless, there's a PI Institute in China, and they need a fight. Yeah, and it's in China. And it's and in China, a and that's... With a Chinese fighter. Absolutely, so, so regardless, one one it makes sense. There. Yeah. yeah, so uh, I, I like it. I like it as a fight, and I think that uh, the line does show that if you look at where the line's at, I mean, if everybody agreed with me and thought Andrade should be the big favorite, people would be steaming Andrade, and the line would be going up. Yeah. But uh, I think that there is some public support for Zhang as well, because people see how good she's been. She hasn't really lost a round. Yeah, and a lot of people, like, I mean... Um, I think the consensus is is like you don't really know much about her. I mean, you have to be a real big fan to know how good Zhang is. But when you watch, like I've watched some of her highlights, some of her training, she's legit, man. Like she, the power she has in her striking, her movement, her her defense looks sharp. Like you said, her footwork, like she's got a really good chance. I mean, and I think we can't base too much on experience because I bet you, as a Sanda fighter, she's probably competed. Numerous well, she's times. She's nineteen and one as an MMA fighter, and yeah. her only loss was in her professional debut. So she's won nineteen in a row. Do you know anything about her kickboxing record? I don't. I mean, nobody knows anything about anybody's kickboxing record, do they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true. There's there's a, no database online that has been accurate in terms of kickboxing. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I agree. I think like, the only Lori... legit one I would say would be Saki and Adesanya. Other than that, I don't really base anyone's kickboxing record as anything positive. Like Glory keeps the record in Glory. Like this guy's three and one in Glory, four and one in Glory, whatever. But outside of what they've done in Glory, it's it's a crapshoot, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes they mix amateur with pro. Then there's B class, C class, A class in Europe. There's different levels. So yeah. how do you keep up with Muay Thai records? Like these guys fight every week. Yeah. They got a hundred some odd I'm fights. Sure not like a scorekeeper writing, like keeping records. Yeah, I guess you can make it up. Why not? <laughs> yeah, this guy's had six hundred fights. He's five hundred ninety nine and one. Yeah, I always wonder too with like Wonder Boys. I was like, oh, he's got this incredible undefeated kickboxing record. I was like, I was on the scene the same time. I haven't even heard of anything. So where are they? <laughs> where are all these fights? <laughs> 
How can we never match? Same weight, same class, same everything. I've never heard of your name. Yeah. Well, so. that's probably in like point karate. Right? No, I guess he did kickboxing yeah, also. Yeah, because right? apparently he has some undefeated, like, like really high numbered amount of kickboxing. Like 75 and 0 kind I of thing. I don't even know, but I was like, what? But that's exactly Where? it. Nobody has any huh. of the stuff registered. Yeah. But like you said, like, Zhang could have been taking all these Sanda fights in China or Senchao. Was it yeah. Senchao? That's very it's similar. Yeah. So yeah. they call it either, Sanda, Senchao. Yeah, either of those. And could have like a 103 record. Who knows? Yeah. But you're right. She has a lot of experience. She's actually a little bit older than Andrade, despite being. I think she's 30 like years old. Yeah. And yeah. Andrade, I think, is 28. So uh, age discrepancy. It's one of those ones where you have a prospect fighting the champion, and people are like, oh, she's, the, she's a young prospect. It's like, nah, she's actually. Yeah, she's like, a little it's older. It's like Ortega versus Holloway. Like, Holloway's yeah. younger than Ortega, but Ortega was the new kid on the block. Holloway's younger than Ortega? Yeah, he's like a year, year younger yeah, than Ortega. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. Yeah, just based on seeing them fight for so many years, you think Ortega's the young one. Well, it's because when fighters get to a high level at a certain, like early in their UFC career, people just assume that they are matured young, and yeah, older. They're, no, they're younger. But Holloway got to the a high level at a young age, right? Like he got to the top tier of the middle of the featherweight division at like twenty four. Yeah, crazy, something like that. So, which is kind of unheard of. It's like baby, still yeah. you're a baby at twenty four. Did you see this BJ Penn footage? On I online? did. And I, I saw there's two three. videos. Yeah, there's two. There's two videos. I saw the first one first. Um, sorry, the first one first. Yeah. But um, well, you could have seen the second one first. They were the less than an hour of each other. Yeah. <laughs> but the first one I saw was uh, BJ getting knocked out. Oh, okay. So you watched the second one. First. That's that was the, second the second one. Yeah. Okay. That w- I thought he got up after that and then did the ground and pound, which was the second one. He did. Except okay. it was just the videos came out in reverse in, order. In reverse order. Yeah. yeah. So you technically watched the first part of what happened first. But that was actually the second video yeah. released, if that makes any I sense. I thought the first thing I saw when he got knocked out, the guy threw like a nice combination, like a right, they were straight, left strikes, Like Pancrase yeah. style. I thought the first thing I thought was Andy Ruiz. I was like, that's an Andy Ruiz big heavyweight yeah. that came in with like little clean, crisp punches. I was like, man, that left hook was on point that dropped BJ. That's ridiculous, but it was still a nice left hook. Right on, broke the center line and just... BJ went right out. I don't want to get this wrong because Chris Taylor, who uh, is a colleague of mine in uh, in the journalism space and uh, is the manager and writer for BJPen.com, so he's actually a Canadian guy. But he um, he wrote what has happened with um, BJ. Penn. Oh, actually, sorry. So there was a uh, something that was released from BJ Penn's attorney. After learning more about Tuesday evening's altercation between BJ Penn and an acquaintance, we feel strongly that we need to correct the misinformation that's about what transpired. Upon meeting friends for a concert at the Lava Shack, which sounds very Hawaiian, <laughs> words were exchanged between BJ and the acquaintance. From multiple witness accounts, BJ tried multiple times to defuse the situation but was hit repeatedly and knocked to the ground as seen on the video. When he got backed up, back up, he was disoriented, yet realized how serious the situation and threat was and felt there was a need to defend himself. So that's Fair. his account. And then someone else from BJ's camp kind of, I guess Chris Taylor said kind of something similar that... Uh, BJ's adrenaline got the best of him. He told the man to hit him again. The guy hit him again, knocked him down. BJ came up and decided to defend himself. So there's not doesn't seem to be any sort of criminal inquiry into this either. It just seems like this is the situation. Too drunk. Yeah, I, I don't Too even drunks. know if they were drunk or what yeah. happened, but uh, you would have to assume. But, I mean, the confidence on Buddy to to want to yeah. fight and just throw like that. I mean, you're talking about a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah, jeez. I mean... He got excited, though, after knocking BJ out. Can you imagine being that guy and walking around telling your friend, I, I knocked BJ Penn down as long as yeah. you can see it on the internet? That's I knocked, I knocked That's him down the UFC Hall of Famer. Yeah. I'm sure his Instagram blew up after that one. Yeah. That's crazy to see, though. Can you, like, 
How crazy is it to watch a video of somebody who's a professional mixed martial artist get knocked out by some guy? But a legend. <laughs> yeah, like like a not, legend. not even just yeah. a, a random. This You're talking about legend. Yeah, that's crazy to see. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like weird. It's kind of sad, jarring. too, though. It is. Oh, I agree. It's really sad. So it's sad to here's see. the question. I mean, one of the big questions that spawned from this is what the UFC should do about this. They were going to schedule Nick Lentz versus BJ Penn uh, in Boston in October, according to Lentz, who was on TMZ today. Um, but you can't book BJ Penn after yeah. this, can you? And I think the other issue is how soon after, wasn't it domestic abuse charges? Well, he has fought since that happened, since his wife had, his ex-wife had accused him of that. Okay. He's fought since then. He's already fought in Brazil against, um, who was his last fight against? Against uh, uh, Clay Guida. Wasn't it? Okay. Clay Guida. Hall was back in the, December. The one before. Yeah, so Clay Guida. Um, so he's fighting. He told Dana White, this is going to be my last fight. He wanted it against Nick Lenz because they had some sort of rivalry from the past. Is that still happening? That's the question. So okay. if you're the UFC, do you make that fight? There's no criminal charges or anything here, but you've seen him get basically knock, flash, flash knocked out by some guy. And when, uh, when is the fight booked? In like a month and a half. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I bet you guys get knocked out in training all the time and... It just so happens that this is public now. Yeah. Um, should, yeah, I think it'll happen. I, I think, think Dana happen. at this point now just says, let's get it over with. Let's yeah, just yeah, get him out. That's this actually is a good point. I don't think people are looking at it that way. Uh, like, Dana's probably just like, let's get him out. Let's go. It's like the kid who does so bad in school. Like, how many times are you going to graduate? Just let's let him graduate, you know? Just let him have it. Go. This, this kind of thing keeps happening with BJ Penn. There was the one where he got into a fight with a bouncer when he was inebriated yeah. outside a bar recently. So, And I've spoken to Jason Perillo, his coach. I spoke to him um, back in Edmonton. And he said, essentially, that, like, BJ sometimes needs to have a fight booked so that he stays out of trouble. You know, he, I, I kind of asked him that, and he's, he said, yeah, I mean, that's kind of why, you know, it's the kind of the thing that kind of levels BJ. But if BJ has a fight coming up and this kind of stuff still happening, it's kind of unacceptable. Yeah. And especially if you look at his record, he hasn't won a fight in how many years? Like, his last, how many fights in a row has he it's, lost? It's since 2010 he hasn't won. Yeah. It, there's, it's, it's getting, last, it's getting to the point. His last one was a knockout over Matt Hughes. That's how yeah, it's, get, it's getting to the point where it's it's starting to look really bad. I think it's starting to look bad. I well, mean, it's it's kind of looked bad for a while. I think yeah. if you think about how many losses in a row he has, it's yeah. Right now, it's just not a good look. Yeah, especially with all these other things, and it just keeps happening to the same people. Between him and Conor McGregor, man, they're just continually getting. And John Jones, I mean, what is it with these guys? When you hit that top of the sport, is it hard to maintain? Do they need to maintain that thrill in their life, that excitement? Yeah, well, according to Chris, who I was just uh, quoting from that uh, that tweet, he says that he thinks BJ Penn needs to have better people around him. That's one of the issues that BJ Penn has the wrong people around him. He actually says he's going to move to Hawaii so that he can be around BJ and make sure that you know things are on the up and up. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Just I hope uh, he can get his stuff sorted out because we don't want to see that. I mean, and right away with all this talk on CTE and brain damage, people right away go to that as one of the reasons. That he's doing all these crazy things. I don't know. Let's segue to the man you just mentioned, Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. He did a 40-plus-minute minute, 40 plus minute interview with Ariel Hawani of ESPN last week. Um, you know, it touched on a lot of different things, but what sense did you get from watching it? That he didn't really want to talk about what happened. I mean, Ariel kept trying to, like, give me your side of the story. Give me your side of the but story. But does he need to? Like, if he says, I don't need to give you my side because I'm, I was in the wrong and he apologizes. I don't think he needs to give his size, does he? He's like if he says well, it was my fault, and he takes yeah, can, and he was genuine about it. Yeah. I mean, it felt genuine, but uh, I think we just wanted to know why he reacted that way. I think I think that was the. I mean, yes, it's we're 
forgiving you or we're at least accepting the apology, but what? why? Do you know? I want to hear it. I don't know. I don't think it's bad to, for him to answer that question. Yeah, like especially if the guy was, you know, said something to him or, yeah. or whatever. But uh, I don't know. What did you take from him? Did you feel it was a genuine apology? Did you did you accept it? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's a genuine apology or not. I mean, my mind goes to his career. Like that's when I start thinking about it, and he says he wants to come back soon, and he's naming guys. Like my immediate thought is, if this guy doesn't win his next fight, what happens to him? Like, what's does his yeah, profile get shot? Power I mean, go like, down for sure. Well, that's exactly it. Like. What what do you think the the MMA world is still going to get from Conor McGregor? And again, I'm, I'm not trying to diminish what he did in that bar, but it, it's the video kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. And if he says he's sorry, I mean, that's kind of you close the book on that, in my opinion. If there's not any sort of legal anything legal pending, or he's not going to prison, you know, if he issues a genuine apology or an apology period and says I should not have done that, I was in the wrong. To me, you kind of close the book. and yeah. then Well, I mean, why were you in the wrong? We don't know the real story. I mean, he punched the man. He punched an old guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's but I mean, even Ar- Ariel would say something like, well, the, the footage was a little fuzzy. Like, did you actually hit him? He's like, well, I'm going to let the tape speak for something. He didn't want to even um, approach it, which I get. I mean, it's a smart move. But why are you going on to address just to apologize? Or what was I've, I've what do you question. think his overall reasoning for going on Hawani was? I think it was for the to purposes try to of PR, get like the from, fans from his, back. Yeah, and... just to like just to show that he is still around. Like he, he I th- one thing, one theory that I've heard that I that interests me. I don't know if it's a, it's right or wrong. Was that when Nate Diaz won the previous weekend and didn't say anything about McGregor, that it took away from a lot of McGregor's relevance. Yeah, because yeah. that was one of the opponents that a lot of people thought would be a good mat- next matchup, and now people are already moving on to to the Masvidal, Masvidal versus Diaz, and none of them are saying, "Whoa, whoa, why doesn't he fight Connor again?" Everybody's on board with Masvidal yeah. Diaz. Yeah. So that, I think, in the back of his head could have played into why he wanted to get himself out there. Because it's like, okay, are people forgetting about me here? Like, you know, Khabib's about to fight. Am I the forgotten guy all of a sudden? And they're remembering a lot of the negativity and right. not a lot of his positive stuff he's done in the yeah. sport. So I think that was one reason. And then another reason is to explain that he is still looking to fight. That he is, you know, his career's not over. Even though he said he was retired, he's not retiring. And he wants to fight again. But... When I watch it, I just think to myself, like, this next opponent, that they, whoever they schedule him against, it needs to, A, be a winnable fight, and B, it's the most important of his career. fight of his career. Yeah. Like, in terms of Absolutely his marketability, right. in terms of his brand, and in terms of the UFC. So, you know, I, I put out a poll and said, who should he fight next? Now, I don't know if Max Holloway's team told uh, a bunch of people to vote for him on this poll, yeah, but, but he but was he... the overwhelming winner. It was Nate Diaz. Holloway, winner of Gaethje and Cerrone, or the loser of Khabib and Poirier yeah. were the choices. I, if I match, if I'm Dana White in the UFC, I keep him far away from Khabib. Yeah, I'm. I'm I with keep you on him that. far away from Khabib. I personally like the Cerrone versus Gaethje winner answer because I think I like both that. of those are winnable fights. Now, this is the issue. That I, I'm keep... just a little over Cerrone, to be honest. I, I, I need a little fresher face. I need something. I get it, but if Cerrone beats Gaethje and it's an exciting fight, no, yeah, but maybe then I and then I kind of want to go somewhere else at that point. I think maybe. Yeah. Maybe you do Holloway. Yeah, I like it. That's a fun fight. It's I like Holloway. But here's my question for you. Like, the problem with a Gaethje fight is not that Conor can't win that fight, because he can win that fight. But if you lose to Gaethje, you're losing in spectacular fashion. Yeah. Like, you, you will look you're bad. Getting not... You're either going to look really good or you're going to look really bad. Like, and there's, Gaethje's there's no also ground, not but... looked at as, like, the pound-for-pound pound top. So if you do yeah. lose to someone like him, your stock goes down. If yeah. you lose to Khabib, you're like, all right, so does everybody else. You mm-hmm. know, Gaethje has losses on his record from, you know, 
other guys like the like the Poiriers and stuff like that, right? Yeah, and then there's Tony Ferguson as another option, but I think Tony Ferguson's going to face the winner of yeah. could be Poirier and I. I, I think mean, Ferguson's it, dangerous for him, man. You dangerous. always said that that would very be dangerous. probably his toughest. That's Connor's best path to a title shot, though, is if he were to fight. Uh, Ferguson. If Ferguson says, okay, I'll take a money fight. Which is instead. better than going Khabib right away, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and show that you can still beat Ferguson. Still beat a guy of that yeah. level, yeah. right? Then you're then people won't say, oh, he's not worthy yeah. of the title shot. That's a great fight, man. Yep, that's probably my pick, too. You, Ferguson. you like Ferguson? That's, I do. That you're going with I think that, I like that's it. A, that's a tough fight for him, though. Is yeah. that a winnable fight? Well, I, I mean, like it. Ferguson I mean, gets winnable. hit. Mm. Ferguson gets hit. Yeah. And if he gets hit by one of those lefts, you just never know. Yeah. The timing, the accuracy, yeah, it's a it's a tough fight, but I like it. That's I think it's one it. of the most exciting. And to be Connor, you don't like I said, Gaethje's dangerous in in the fact that he's not sitting near the top pound for pound list, um, and a loss to him brings your stock down a lot more than a loss to Ferguson would. Yeah. So and Ferguson's also thirty five. Like he's gonna be uh, Ferguson's thirty five. He'll be like right? thirty six when they fight. So he'll be a and lot he older. still hasn't had his title shot. Yeah, you know, he has. Uh, he's only been finished once in his career, and that was like 10 years ago to a guy named Jamie Toney. So he's not an easy guy to finish. He lost by decision to Michael Johnson back in 2012, but since then he's just won every fight. Um, he's been knocked down by Kevin Lee, though. You've got to remember that. Yeah. So if Connor hits him with a punch, you've got to imagine that that could put him down. Yeah, no, it's definitely a winnable fight. Yeah. I like it. I don't mind it. I mean, I, th- I do think that that Ferguson would probably be a minus two fifty, minus three hundred favorite against yeah. McGregor, and the you, size too. You no, know? is Ferguson a, would be a yeah, lot bigger? Ferguson, you think Ferguson would be bigger, but at one fifty five, I wouldn't Not say by so, much. Yeah. yeah, he'd be taller at least. I don't know if he'd be bigger, like in terms of density. Yeah, I think it'd be a fun fight to promote too. I think uh, Ferguson's a little bit of uniqueness will bring out some stuff in Connor, which could be fun. Well, it's also kind of a win-win for Connor in the sense that, like, if he loses to Ferguson, I don't think yeah, people it's not are that bad. Like, hey, yeah, I don't think people are surprised. If he loses to, like, a Gaethje or Cerrone, it's like, okay, well, and then, this guy done now. Yeah, and then Khabib again, you're like, okay, you're not beating him. Mm-hmm. So, right. I don't know, and we don't know how long Khabib wants to stay around either, right? So if he wants that fight, he'll probably have to be within one or two. Yeah. That said, if Poirier somehow gets a first or second round finish over Khabib, maybe yeah. you do make. And Khabib we're writing Connor. off Poirier too by saying yeah, a lot exactly. of this. Yeah, So maybe you do. That would be, I think, an instance where Connor yeah. versus Khabib too would make sense. Yeah. If it's a non-title fight. Well, I think rounds. I think at that point, then I bet you Connor would try to pitch to get Poirier. Yeah, because he's beaten him. Before. Because he's beating him, it's it's a, it's a winnable fight for him. So I think at that point he's going title shot right away. Yeah, I think he's seem, smart enough yeah. not to go Khabib. You can't you can't beat it. No matter how an eight week training camp isn't going to be enough to beat Khabib. You're going to need like you should have been since your last fight. You should have been wrestling yeah, every single day. Yeah. Every single day you should be wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean that's, that's your case. that's your no. It doesn't look like it. No, it does not, not it look like the not. case. No, he's taking pictures of the Crumlin Boxing uh, Academy. Yeah, and he's boxing, boxing matches gym. now. Yeah, yeah. he's it, doing it exhibitions. Like he's striking. Yeah. yeah. So it's not the right fight, and then he's a fighter that wants that stand-up fight, and you got to give him those, uh, give him those right matchups. I think now. And the last headline to discuss: Darren Till moving up to middleweight, facing Kelvin Gastelum at Madison Square Garden. I'm Your shocked. Thoughts? I mean, we all agree here that Till kind of jumped up the rankings a little too quick. We didn't get to see him evolve. We didn't get to see him develop. We didn't really get to see the true Darren Till. Uh, and I think my hope was to kind of see Darren Till move up to 185, but have a little slower approach. And I think Gassum's a winnable fight for him, but I just think we need to see Darren Till built a little bit. Let him win a couple winnable fights, and then we can start pushing him. But uh, I think it's a, it's a big fight. I mean, again, you beat Gaslam, you're right in the top of the division at that point, but 
if you lose again, you get knocked out again, that's kind of really diminishing your stock. Well, I'm more confused about it from Gastelum's perspective. Like, why? Like, why would you take this fight if you're Gastelum? Like, beating Till does nothing for your ranking. It's a big name, sure. It's, a, it's an exciting fight. But if you end up fighting Darren Till and you lose, like, all of the... I guess currency that you've built up in the division is gone. Whereas from Darren Till's perspective, for the same reason as Connor versus Ferguson might be a win-win for Connor, it's the exact same thing for Darren Till. If Darren Till loses this fight, that's the expectation. Like I don't think people are going into this saying, "Oh, he's going to win." People think that Gastelum's going to run him over. That said, he'll be bigger than Gastelum, even though he's moving up at a weight class. Gastelum was a 170 before. Yeah. And if he beats Gastelum, like you said, he's now a top five middleweight. Like yeah. he's right in the title mix. And middleweight's a division where everybody is getting older or leaving the division. Weidman's left. Rockhold's left. Yoel's 43. Um, Jack Hermanson is fighting uh, against Cannoneer next, but I don't think Hermanson's as marketable in the name as Till. Like Now suddenly Till is like right in the title mix. Yeah, but I mean, there could have been some other maybe better fights a little bit down the line. I would have, like I'm looking at eight down where I'm thinking those are the types of names I would look booked. for. Like name names, they're all, they've all okay, got matchups. I've seen... Uh, Derek Brunson. Brunson just won. That would be an okay one. Jared Candonier got booked, Kandinier's right? Candonier's booked, yeah. He's a main event somewhere, yeah, too. Yeah, in, in Denmark against um, that. Yeah. Ian Heinish just got booked, I believe. Yeah, today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Tavares could be fun. Yeah, Brad, that would have been a nice fight. Nobody knows what's going on with Brad Tavares. I saw a lot of people suggest Till Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall's booked. I don't remember against who, though. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, you're kind of right, though. It's it's not outside of but those names. Darren they're Till, all busy. If you're Darren Till and... If, and you're his team, and they say you can fight Gastelum or you can fight Ian Heinish or you can fight... Like, you're taking Gastelum, yeah. no? Isn't it kind of a no-brainer? And then even if you look at, like, uh, Hermanson, big, uh, Jacare, big, Weidman, big names, big big size. I don't know. It's, but Weidman's moving up anyways. They still have him in the the rankings there. Yeah. So but yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, if, if I'm his team, though, I mean, Jacare's the guy that... I don't think Jacare's booked. The middleweight that, division that isn't stacked, so there really isn't much choice if you think about it yeah. either. That's exactly it. It's not stacked. So yeah. if he ends up getting a win over Gastelum, he's right at the top. So I think it's a very smart move from Darren Till's perspective because nobody's expecting anything from him. And yeah. that's the position you want to be in. But he's, uh, what, he's lost his last two? Lost knocked from, out. Yeah, Basvidal and... Um, who did he, he got knocked out. Um, was it... He yeah. lost to Woodley. Lost to Woodley. And, and then, then he, he lost, lost to, to someone else. Was it yeah. Wonderboy? No, uh, he beat Wonder Boy. Yeah, he beat Wonder Boy. That gave him the... Masvidal was the knockout, and then he got... Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just him and... Uh... Maybe I'm wrong. Hang on, I'm going to take a look. Kelvin. I thought he had one more. I thought he got oh, no, knocked out. There, he, I think you're right. I'm just trying to remember by who. Uh, no, just Woodley. Just Woodley. Okay, so those so are the So he lost to Woodley, and then he uh, got knocked out by Masvidal. Okay. All right, so that's figured out now. All right. Yeah, I, I, in my mind, he got knocked out his last two, but no, it's uh. Well, he did get knocked out by Woodley. Yeah, he got knocked out. By so Woodley. yeah, he got knocked or out. Submitted. His last he got two. submitted by Woodley. Yeah, sub sub. Yeah, okay. So he's lost two in a row. Um, I thought there was another one in between two, but you're, you're right. There, there wasn't. Okay. So uh, now we're going to move on to your questions. I I opened up the floor, Joe, to That's our listeners. It. That's an exciting, Let's see what they exciting are. times. So this is going to be from at Ghoster Coaster. Must be a fan of uh, Canada's Wonderland from Professor Bobby Lee Swagger. Is Ben Askren versus Demian Maya the highest level uh, grappling match ever booked in the UFC? And who should be the favorite? What do you think? The highest grappling match? 
Like highest level grappling. Highest match. level. But, I mean, it depends what you consider grappling, right? I mean, you have a wrestling grappler. You have a jiu-jitsu grappler. Um, but Maya versus Astrid. Hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. It is a good question. But here's the here's the thing. Like, Jake Shields against Maya is probably a, a better one. I think it's a might be a better like a in terms of sheer grappling, that might be a bigger matchup. Over Askren? Yeah. You would think Jake Shields has higher credentials. No, than... but when you're talking credentials in BJJ, like when you say grappling, that's what I'm saying. Grappling about, could oh, be wrestling. Yeah, I guess it could be wrestling. Like you talk about Usman, and then you can talk about Maya. There's one a submission fighter. One is more of an on top, you yeah. know, uh, pin you down wrestling. But style. I mean, we're talking about guys where like they're by far their best weapon is it's their grappling on the ground. Yeah, and that would probably be Askren versus Maya. So maybe, although Shields was also kind of a guy whose best attributes was being on the ground, yeah. and he did a lot of interesting stuff in that fight. What about like a Jacare? Yeah, who's Jacare fight? That's a good one. I'm trying to think of like who the best grapplers are. And seeing who they've fought before. Because then you can kind of look at And then you can also look at like a Hoist Gracie. But that was way too early in the sport. And Hoist was fighting most yeah, striking they, fighters. Yeah, and they didn't know how to defend as like they do now. Yeah, they, you look at middleweight. There's not really a whole lot of guys that Jacare's fought where you could say. I mean, you could look at Yoel Romero versus Jacare in yeah. terms of just like strictly credentials. But um, I don't know if I see that. And then there was also like Gunnar Nelson against Maya. Was, Unless you, know, you look at like the... The Ryan Halls and BJ Penn. Yeah. Yeah, I think Ryan Hall is one of the best on the ground yeah, right and now. BJ Penn was, BJ also, Penn was one of the prodigy black belt. At the, at the time when it took place, though. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, it that's, that's, that's a good question. It's, 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 it's a, a very question. good question. Getting and who should be the favorite is the other question. I would lean Askren. Like, I, think I would Askren lean Askren, be too. Favorite. I would lean Askren, too. The, the question I had about it. Maya likes to play on his back a little got, bit. But people got mad at me when I suggested that this is going to be a fight that just plays it on the feet. Like, I don't think Askren is going to go for takedowns against Maya. Like, yeah. what's. I think he has great top control, but like, you're but on the Maya's ground. But Maya's dangerous on his on back. The with Maya, yeah. yeah he's, I mean, he's not as That's dangerous on his back is as so he is different. on top. But like, if you're going to get into a striking match with Maya, I don't think, you know, people. What I said was people don't, don't really know exactly what Ben Askren's striking is like because you've just been seeing him. Grappling for years and years and years. Like, he hasn't really needed to use his striking. People then were like, Gimi and Maya's fought in K1. It's like, yeah, okay, that, eh. be that as it may. I don't think that Maya, Maya's striking credentials are fantastic. So if this fight ends up strictly on the feet, who knows what happens. But yeah. that being said, if, it's, if it takes place on the feet and then Askren's like, well, I'm getting my butt handed to me. Let's go for takedowns. Yeah. Then maybe you could see I that. I think Askren just keeping top position could be good, but how's his submission defense, right? Uh, to beat a good wrestler on the ground, it's usually a, a high-level jiu-jitsu guy because they can threaten the neck, the exactly. triangle chokes, the kimuras. Like you can play that and get the threat. He can threat. do jiu-jitsu sweeps also. Yeah, that's kind of like know. what uh, Poirier is hoping with Khabib, that he can kind of pull off some submissions off his back kind of thing. But that's the hope anyways. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it it could be a lot of standing, clinching, a lot of moving, fainting, hesitating. I think it's going to be a super boring fight, and people get mad at me when I say that. No, it's, it, it tends to be that way. Yeah, two grapplers tend to strike. Yeah, and man, you're right. Like it's interesting if you're really into the grappling side of things. If you're into BJJ and you're into wrestling and you're like a diehard, I can see why you would think it would be an interesting chess match, and it might be. But yeah. I. But they're I not going to attack the way they would in, in like, exactly. a submission or, like, no. Nah. It's, exactly. it's not the same. The risk is too much with the punches, the gloves. It's, it's not going to be, like, a submission grappling match. 
But uh, this, yeah, this next question is a, a question that I think is entirely catered to you. So I'm going to just defer to you from Jazz Johal. I hope I pronounced that right. And yeah. if I didn't, Jazz, I apologize. What do you think is the biggest hole in most modern MMA fighters' games when it comes to their striking? Um, two of the most underrated strikes I'm going to call are the ability to use uppercuts. Guys oh, really? do not use uppercuts enough. Um, everyone you'll see swinging hooks, and the middle is open. You can block a hook a lot easier than you can block an uppercut. Um, throwing the uppercuts as well, it kind of hides it. You can't see it coming from when it's under the chin. If you're a striker, grapplers don't want that uppercut. So I think mixing in your uppercuts with your hands is a very underutilized strike. And when you see guys throw uppercuts... They're rewarded really, really well. So using the uppercut, I think low kicks, again, are underused. I think people just throw them at wrong timing all the time, so they're always scared of the takedown offense. But a good low kicker we've seen very successful, but a lot of guys are scared to throw them. And one that guys aren't using well but has come out in the last little bit, and I made a little Instagram post, the flying knee. They are landing more than I've ever seen in combat sports. They're they're, they're creating good knockouts. They're creating good finishes. I mean, most... UFC event you watch now, there's been at least one or two like pivotal moments where the flying switch knee played really valuable. So uppercuts, low kicks, and those uh, those jump flying knees. They've also been used to close distance, which I think is Absolutely. very valuable. And the good thing about those jump knees, I mean, uh, I posted a, one on uh, Glory just reposted it too. I'm throwing one of my favorite switch knee setups, and Mike Perry actually messaged, uh, commented on it saying like, man, I almost landed a few in my fight because his fight with Lupe, that's mm-hmm. what busted his nose was the flying switch knee. Yeah. So he goes, um, and it's one of the best takedown defenses. Like, man, if someone's throwing those jump knees and you're a wrestler trying to shoot on a striker, yeah, you'll think that's twice. scary. Yep. So, uh, yeah, those are my three. It's, it's weird to say uppercut, but watch, watch when you watch fights. Look for that shot up the, up the middle because guys don't throw it enough. So uppercuts, so you, low you kicks. You mean like, no a, lean, like a, a guy moving in and throwing an uppercut? Or, or well, anything. Like, what happens is when someone gets hit, the reaction is to shell up. Once you shell up, it's easy to block hooks, but the chin is open with the uppercut. So you have to try to look more for uppercuts um, to get those nice finishes. I'm a big believer in the uppercut, and, and guys don't throw them enough. And you know, you know what else? I'm going to keep going. I'm going to rant on this. Guys don't punch the body enough in MMA. And every time they do, they get rewarded well. We saw, it again, the, the, the most recent example with Stipe. You have a small glove. Rip the body with those small gloves. And, and you've, got, you've seen like Adesanya finish with it. Like Guys are just scared to punch the body. But if you set it up well, you're going to get rewarded well. So body punching. And it looks like people are starting to use it a little bit more in the, in the clinch, I've noticed. Like yeah. In the clinch, people are going body a lot more than they yeah, used to. Yeah, you should have seen in my, uh, my last fighter who just fought. He was in, uh, in a nice pumble, like an over-under. And he just, with the underhook, he's just started punching uh, this wrestler's body. And then finally he loosened up. But, I mean, the body punch, I'm telling you, is not used enough. So especially when guys are shelled against the cage, one of the biggest frustrating things as a striker and as a coach, when you have someone hurt against the cage... People just kind of like throw all these wild punches and hooks and the guy's shelled up. That's when you need to kind of strategically place your punches. Hit the body, mix in the uppercut, kick the legs. That's why guys break their hand. They get overly excited and they start punching elbows, punch the guard, and then, hey, no wonder you broke your hand. You're not picking your shots at that point. So there's my rant. The next one, MMA Uncovered. Another one that I think is going to be more geared towards you. What do you make of Israel Adesanya's rise to UFC interim champion? Is he the best example of a fighter transitioning from a pure striking discipline to MMA? 
Yeah, I guess so. I mean, uh, I'm just trying to think. I'm thinking of Overeem, I think. Was was Overeem a K-1 guy first? Overeem was a K-1 first, for sure. But the the success of... Overeem was the strike force heavyweight champ. The strike force heavyweight champ. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess would, that's a tough one. Let me read that one slowly. Holly Holm is, was a champion coming from a, uh, you know, a, a striking-based discipline. That's another one you could look at. I mean, she wasn't fighting the best of the best competition. Yeah. I mean, but, but the the thing is, it would have to be Overeem or Adesanya, because if you look at the guys Overeem fought, and then you look at the guys even Adesanya fought, it's it's they're high level. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, there's people say they come from other sports, but they've never fought at the highest level of that sport. Where both of those guys have, and I mean the K one background is incredible, and Adesanya fighting in glory just before going to the UFC. What about Krokop? Krokop fought, I think, at K one first, did he not? Yeah, but and I don't. Mark Hunt Krokop well. was never like I would say the top of the kickboxing okay. chain. Like he's got good knockouts, he did well, but he wasn't one of the top of the kickboxing world. Um, he I, I never won any of the big Grand Prix and um, like Overeem. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's uh. And and when Overeem was fighting in K one, it was the, the like the the pinnacle of heavyweight kickboxing, which was so he got to fight the biggest of the biggest names in the sport. So based on names, Overeem had fought bigger names in kickboxing than Adesanya has. Mm-hmm. But I think Adesanya has overall more fight experience in kickboxing than he does. Adesanya's got something like seventy, probably something seventy odd kickboxing fights. Yeah, which I don't think Overeem had that many, but maybe he does because he started so young. So um, between those two, what are you leaning towards? Well, I think overall, you'd have to say Overeem's fought the better competition at both, at both. MMA and yeah. uh, in kickboxing. So you're saying the best example, you might have to go with Overeem just because of the body of work. Yeah, I mean, he didn't get to as high of a level as Adesanya in the UFC. Uh, you know, Adesanya is the UFC interim champion, but... The champion of Strike Force and Strike Force was a legit. Well, Overeem has probably fought for the title what twice, probably once. He fought, fought Steve Bay, and uh, I think that's it. He's only fought once. I might be wrong. I'll go. I'll go look. I'm, I might be forgetting something. That's uh, and, and the, the other issue is too that we've seen Overeem get knocked out in MMA, right? Right. We've many, many, so times. many times. So we're kind of, kind of downgrading his, you know, his yeah, experience his and yeah. his resume. Yeah, only one UFC heavyweight title opportunity. But yeah, like you look but again, at, you're looking he's, at a, he's fought Peter Ayers, he's fought Gokan Saki, Tyrone Spong, uh, Ben Sammy Edwards, beat all of them. Yeah, Bader Hari and beat Bader. Yeah, he's one and one with Bader Hari. Yeah. yeah, I called fights with. Did you know I called fights with Overeem? Yeah, you I called. Uh, I called Rico Bader Hari fight with him. I called Nikki Holtzkin Dumbay with him. And, and then you look cool. at his UF, you look at his MMA wins. Vitor Belfort um, twice. Um, who else you got here? Gary, well, Gary Goodrich was good back then, but um, you got Mark Hunt. You've got, this is when the resume starts getting good. Uh, Fabrizio Verdum, Brock Lesnar, Frank Mir, Roy Nelson. Nagano. JDS. Uh, we lost to Nagano. I'm talking about oh, just, the wins. just the wins. Yeah, you got Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt. You got Verdum again. You've got Alexei Olenek. Like, these are good, big names. Now, Adesanya's wins, obviously, the, his last win is his biggest. Against Gastelum, but you know, nowhere near that, the names. Yeah, nowhere near the names. And I, even his kickboxing, he fought great names, but nothing of Peter Ertz and, and, and of legendary history. But either way, you also look at Adesanya and he's undefeated, whereas you've got Overeem with 17 losses. So, you, yeah. you, you know, it's tough. It, it's, a tough. it's a tough conversation to have because if you're looking at it based strictly on resume, 
you and might how go over they him. did. But if you're looking at it strictly on like accolades, yeah. championships, then maybe you go out of Sanya. But either way, it's, it's a discussion that can be had. I, I think we're probably forgetting somebody fairly obvious too, but maybe I'm wrong. That's made the transition. Hmm. I don't know. That's made from a pure like a striking, striking. discipline. Yeah. No. Because boxers never did well, right? Yeah. Boxers Holly, never did Holly won well. The championship, but yeah. But were there any? I don't think there have been any male boxers that have even done like have even really won fights in no. going to the UFC. No. That were like known for being box the good bo- like high level boxers that have gone over because usually they just stay in boxing if they're high level boxers. Yeah. How much money? And there's the, the more money there as well. Yeah. yeah I, no, it's got to be between those two. So this one's from Alex Scafidi. Thoughts on Rumble's plea deal and UFC return reports, especially coming out on the same day. Well, I think that's by design. I think that him getting the plea deal and then it coming and it coming out that he is thinking of coming back to the UFC. That there's no um, no surprise in that 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 was what happened at the same time. Now I was following um, Rumble's case, and there was actually a warrant out for his arrest. I think a week or two ago because he had violated terms of his. I guess parole because he failed a drug test for marijuana. This is the weird thing about Rumble's recent case. And I'm not trying to diminish what happened, you know, this case. The issue with Rumble is he's got a bit of a history here. You know, he's been known to have had issues in terms of domestic violence. This particular instance was that he had picked his girlfriend up over his shoulder and put her into a bedroom. I think he put her down on a bed. And she felt she was scared and she said to him, can I, can I use your phone? Took his phone, called 911. And he was subsequently arrested for domestic violence. Now, I don't want to diminish, you know, what is and what isn't domestic violence. But when you hear domestic violence and you think of a combat sports athlete, your mind automatically goes to the absolute worst case scenario. But according to the police report, that's what had happened was that he picked her up, put her in another room. He admitted to doing so, uh, I believe, when the cops asked him what what had happened. He was arrested for domestic violence. And now he has taken a plea deal and won't serve any prison time. So is it just a fine? I, I don't know. I think it's probably probation, probation and, and a fine. fine. But uh, if you're the UFC, we've seen the UFC allow fighters that you know, um, ha- have been in far worse legal situations than this fight. So I don't think it would preclude him from coming back to the UFC. Yeah. I think that there's always going to be – he's always going to have his background as part of his story, and that's what he has to work with. But even in major sports, if something like that happened in the NFL – and someone did what, what Anthony Johnson just did according to that police report, they might get suspended a game, maybe two, maybe zero. Yeah. Because the, the NFL conducts their own investigation, decides the severity of it, and judges based on that. So I don't think that fighters should be banned from the UFC for having previous criminal behavior because it doesn't really work that way in other sports, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, a lot of people say, oh, MMA is way more lenient. Well, maybe, but at the same time, in the NFL, if something like that happens, if there's a domestic violence issue, depending on the severity of it, it's dealt with on a case-by-case basis. The UFC claimed to have a code of conduct. I've never seen it. I've asked about if, if, I've asked if I could see it. Yeah. I've never gotten a copy. But regardless of that, it seems like they also operate on a case-by-case basis. Yeah, and I guess depend who you are and your stock as well. Yeah, it, it, it matters, right? Yeah, it does. But it also happens in pro sports. Like if, if you get into it, like let's say so-and-so is arrested for domestic violence. Guilty or not, if you're not a, a high-up player on the totem pole, if you're a, a practice roster guy, they could cut you. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, Pecking orders matter not just in MMA but in, in sports as a whole. That's the unfortunate truth of it. It's like some people, some athletes are more disposable than others. It's one of the sad realities of professional sports. So why do you think Rumble Johnson's coming back? 
to get paid? I don't know. He wants to come back and fight at heavyweight. Because he seemed like he was so against coming back. I don't like fighting. I'm going to do my own cannabis business. Yeah. And then he didn't seem like he wanted to return. I'm, there was kind of talk about him. I know he kind of helped out bare knuckle boxing, and people thought he was yeah. going to fight for bare knuckle boxing, so everybody got a little excited. But um, but he was he would never have been able to the UFC. Is it trying to? Him. Is it the right time? Is it because of these this plea deal that he's like, hey, I, I need to get some positive. I don't you know, know. Maybe he's Cormier on the way out, and that the the top of that division is really thin. It's just he's seizing an opportunity. Yeah. Who would you like to see him for a return? Um, who Anthony Johnson? Mm-hmm. I'd have to go and look at the rankings, but uh, like off the top of my head, you you would they'd probably give him somebody that's a like decent, an Overeem, a decent yeah, like an Overeem. That's that's a that's a good example. Yeah, Overeem. That would be a perfect little matchup. Somebody like that. Somebody that's in the top ten. That is a decent. And name. after his size, is he in the Usada pool? No, he's going to be. Okay. He hasn't. He hasn't. So hopefully, yet. He, well, I, I heard I, he's that massive. Another, I well, that was another him. thing I said. Is like when you're doing bodybuilding stuff, like he was. Like who? Bodybuilders tend to take supplements, and they don't tend to look at the labels as much as a mixed martial artist is. Like I don't think he was intent. Like I'm not going to accuse the guy of intentionally taking performance enhancing drugs to build himself up, but some there could be some substances in these. Uh, supplements that are banned substances just by design because USADA declares them to be performance-enhancing drugs. So who knows? But hopefully, you know, if he is going to enter uh, the USADA pool, he should probably go to an independent water lab First, or something and just yeah. get tested, which I imagine they will do their due diligence yeah, and do. Yeah. But regardless of his past, his history, it's kind of exciting to have him in that heavyweight division. When you look at, yeah, when you look at the pecking order, I mean, Derek Lewis is another interesting one. Maybe yeah. him versus Derek Lewis. Like, there are, there are interesting scenarios there. He will have fought at 170, yeah, 185, 205 in heavyweight. It's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. I, I mean, Four we can divisions. keep him away from some of the wrestlers maybe at first. Probably, but he also does have a wrestling background, yeah. right? Like we do, we have to remember. Obviously, Cormier took him down, but Cormier's an Olympic level wrestler. Like I, I wouldn't, I, I could see him beating Junior DeSantos right now. Maybe. We'd have to see. With that one-punch power, and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I could also see Junior Dos Santos beating him right now. But, yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, so we'll see. And but I knows, think like he'd have a better chance be. with the Junior Dos Santos than maybe like a Curtis Blades. Oh, yeah. 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 I think Curtis Blades is a way tougher fight than a Junior Dos Santos for him. Mm, for sure. All right, and last question. Do you expect, this is from Ricardo. Do you expect Conor to come back in 2019 or 2020? I was going to ask you that when we are talking about Conor. I mean, you would know that better than in anyone. Well, here's the situation. If you look at December, that card looks like it's pretty full. Stacked. Like they're saying got, there might be three and, title NSG. fights on that one, right? Yeah. Two to three. Yeah, well, they're saying we already have Nunes versus Jermaine Durandame announced. There's a strong Fun. rumor that Holloway versus Volkanovski is going to be on that card, and they both want to be on that card. So if there are two title fights on it already, what's the point of putting Condor on it? Like, you've already got a pretty good one And then two. November might be a little quick. November might be quick, but I don't know what they're headlining NSG with. Like, when you look at the titles that are available, maybe you do light heavyweight or something with Jones, but um, the fights on that card right now are very good, but they don't really have a good title fight. Because they were saying maybe the Masvidal-Nate could be on one, right? That's another thing. That's another big fight. So I, I don't see Conor fighting this year, even though he wants to That's, fight That year. was my, my thoughts. Unless they really want to stack yeah, it. I don't, I, don't, I don't see it. Or they want to make it up to MSG. Like, they, they say, Conor, we want you at MSG. It's important. And I mean, it all depends on is Connor actually training or not. Mm-hmm. He's telling us he is. But from that interview, I get the sense that him and Kavanaugh are not on the same page yet. Yeah. So if that's the case, we got that fight in New York is what in like two and a bit months, like two that's two kind, and some that's months. Fast. It's pretty soon. That's, that's fast. an eight week camp, right? Eight yeah. nine week camp. So 
if him and Kavanaugh aren't on the same page, it's like, uh, well, you know, what do we, what happened? Kavanaugh there? doesn't want him to fight, or he says he's not ready, or hasn't seen him. What, what's the? I don't know. I mean, just the, just judging from what Connor was saying, it seems like him and Kavanaugh still have some something, to, some stuff to iron out. Okay. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, but MSG is looking pretty solid in terms of just Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker, and you've got Gaston nice. versus Till now. Like those are good fights that are non-title fights. So let's uh, let's make our picks before we go to our guest Zach Cummings. Um, let's do a recap. We did two events. Um, I went 0 for 2. I had uh, Rowley and Paiva, who lost in the first round due to a cut. And uh, I had a parlay of Romero, Mazzo, and Bermudez, with Mazzo being the only one of those three that was able to win. And she won in pretty dominant fashion. But uh, you went 1-1. One and one. You had a parlay with Luque and Uzdemir. That Which came I through. won, that yeah. Was plus 146, I think. And uh, a loss with Romero and Heinish. Both guys Heinish ended up winning, no? No, he lost. He lost. He lost, one? and so did Romero. Who did Heinish fight that one again? Brunson. Brunson, yes, yes, yeah. yes. So you Brunson now have... surprised me, man. He like he's just I know, he's some, good. sometimes he's good, sometimes he has sloppy performances. The problem is when he gets to that top five, he loses. Yeah. But before that, like if you look at his record, he's beating all the other guys, right? Yeah, so you, and yeah. you have to kind of keep that in mind. So it's kind of just like ah, he's he's really unpredictable for me. Yeah. But hey, at least I got one of the two. So you have a hundred. You got the better of the two, also. Well, not the better of the two, but you you rear up money because you, you had both were plus money. Did you like? Uh, what did you watch? Did we talk about the Luke and Perry? Did you think Perry won that fight? I did. You thought Perry won. How about won? you? I just think Luke did a little bit more of the damage. Like I mean, it's hard to like give Perry the fight when your nose is busted up like that. You're bleeding like that. It's kind of hard. Because of the damage points, I score damage. I, I value damage as the scoring criteria. Almost, I you get know? that. But if you're going minute by minute, I mean, sure, there's damage. He broke his nose, and that's where the blood comes from. But Perry did a lot of damage in that third round too. Yeah, like he landed he was a few it on. knees. He yeah. good shots. He had top control for a minute or two. Yeah. So I don't know. I find it hard to knock it's him tough. in that round. Yeah, it was a tough one. It's a coin flip. I, I'm okay with. I I, I said that. Uh, sorry, I didn't say this, but a, a colleague of mine. Uh, said that he would have been okay with thirty twenty seven for either guy. Like yeah. it, it was one of those just close fights. And sometimes it's honestly, I don't know why, but sometimes it's nice to just give it a draw. I'm okay with draws sometimes. But to be they honest have to with be you, ten eight rounds, right? Like or ten ten rounds. Well, I mean, what's wrong with giving a ten ten round? Ten ten rounds, I, I tend to reserve for rounds where nothing happens. You don't see them very often, though. 10, but I mean, 10 if if both guys dropped each other and, and it's very close, and what's wrong with a ten ten? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah, you know, fair. give your ten eight. How... If it's a dominating round, yeah. ten eight. Give I, it to it. I don't know how they're taught though. Like I don't know what how John McCarthy and the, the judging program or whatever teaches ten yeah. ten rounds or what they mean. So who knows? Um, but yeah, draws are good. I mean, but that's more of a kickboxing thing, right? Like there's a lot of draws in kickboxing. No, in not in glory because we do an extra round at that point. Oh, well, there you go. We go one more round. Oh. Tim Hughes screams it and, out, and, and we go guys, for these it. These guys are like, oh god, why? <laughs> no, just give them the win. No. <laughs> That must suck. You imagine <laughs> you go, to go one three more? rounds, and then you're like, okay, well, let's wait, well, it let's sucks wait to hear the decision. Well, it sucks if you think you won. It's good if, you're, if you think you're losing. Now you got no, one I, more round, I don't even right? think that. I just think from the standpoint of, like, you're, you're ready to hear the decision. Yeah. And now suddenly it's like, oh. But although that, that being said, in kickboxing, you can do the math because there has to be a 10-8 round yeah. in order for that to happen, which means there would have to be a knockdown. And if you got knocked down in round one and you think you, ra- you won the next two, you yeah. should almost be There's an exciting ready. one um, if you guys want to watch an extra round one. It's uh, Joe Schilling versus Simon Marcus. I remember that. Last fight. man standing. Yeah. Joe Rogan was there, too, and he talked about it. I fought on the—I I won my world title that, fight, uh, that night, and uh, Rogan was there, and he always talks about that. It was a first round in an eight-man tournament. Joe Schilling and Simon Marcus went at it, and it was just good. And then uh, Schilling ended up catching Simon and knocked him out at the end, but it was a phenomenal fight. Watch it. 
probably on YouTube, I guess. If you uh, yeah, it'll be on YouTube, yeah. Fight Pass. On All right. Both. Um, so UFC Shenzhen, do you have a, do you have any picks? You are, you ready to go? Um, like I said, I, I don't know much. I'm gonna have to just go with a, a gut darts. feeling. Yeah, I'm gonna throw some darts. Um, I'm just gonna have some fun. I'm gonna go with uh, Wei Li Zhang. Just gonna go with it. All right, straight up. I don't know enough about her, but knowing it's in China, knowing her San Shao experience, don't know what the judges are gonna be like too. Don't right? know what the judges are gonna be like. I'm going to China this year, and just because of that. I'm going to go with uh, Zhang. So I'm going to parlay uh, Jessica Andrade with uh, Andre Sukumtad. I think Sukumtad moving to Florida and, and getting a new camp is going to give him a fresh start. And the thing that I noticed with Sumaderji is he's kind of like a fish out of water on the ground. And if Sukumtad can take him down there, I don't think that Sukumtad is in that big of a disadvantage, if any, on the feet anyways. But I think that in terms of just the, where that fight can play out, I would think that uh, Sukumtad could take him down and uh, and do some things on the ground there. So I'm going to go with a parlay of those two. I think it's around plus 150 or plus 180 or something like that. So uh, let's go with that. There you go. How are you going to be watching this card? You getting up? Joe, I'm glad Let you me asked. Hear it. Let me so, hear this because I'm, I'm, it's hurting me to kind of plan this out. So every UFC card that happens, I come to the office you and do. I watch it. For this one, I will be... The, In bed? The, the, <laughs> no, the prelims start at 3 a.m. Jeez. I am coming to the office... And at 2.30 a.m., I'm doing a periscope. Okay. That's how I roll, Just to Joe. show everyone? Just to show everyone that we're going to make... This is, this is what it. MMA is about. All and right. also, All right. not only am I doing it for that reason, I'm doing it as a tribute to our comrades overseas who have to watch uh, every MMA week at every us. week yeah. at our expense so that we can have it at the Eastern and Pacific time zones, have to watch cards that start at like 6 so or you're getting 4 or 5 a.m. at 3 a.m. I'm doing it in a... In solidarity with my comrades that follow MMA overseas, so there you go. So that is why I am I am going ahead. And at two thirty a.m., I'll be live on Periscope. Ask your questions, and uh, I'll be previewing as much of this card as I as I can with the knowledge of these fighters that I have, which is not much. Yeah, went... to an extent. Why wouldn't they? I, I would have thought they would have put at least a few more big names to kind of profile for the Chinese. Well, it's also a fight pass card. Like I mean, it's ESPN Plus exclusive. The prelims are actually on ESPN two live at like three a.m. But uh, yeah, I I'm hoping know. maybe I'll catch the main card. There's I mean, some I'm good not, fights I'm on this g- card. I will not get up at three a.m. Eric, <laughs> <laughs> I like UFC. That's I, I on Fight Pass. You can join it in I progress. I can watch it after. Yeah, six a.m. might be hurting, but uh, I just uh, the main event will be at like eight thirty. You can catch the main event. Good. Live. Yeah, I'll catch the main order, event. Order your Uber Eats McDonald's and watch it. There you go. I like it. Good plan. So we've got the. I like this Demir Ismagula versus Tiago Moises fight. That's a, that's one of the fights I'm actually really looking forward to on the card. Should be good. It's Tiago just, Moises looks great in his last fight, and Demir Ismagula is really good. Good prospect from Kazakhstan. There's just a lot. They, a lot of these fighters don't even have pitchers. That's how new I they know. are. They're Noob Saibot. Did you play uh, Mortal Kombat growing up? I did. Remember Noob Saibot? Was the shadowy figure? Oh. That's what that. They kind of like jumped in. They would transport from each side. No, that was Shang Tsung. Hmm. Actually, maybe Noob Saibot trained. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I played that game, but that's. I used that's to what play cheap, and I would do like, uh, who was I like, uh, Sub Zero? Yeah, and you'd put the puddles down? I would down? just cheat. Yeah. Oh, and, and Scorpion. I would just kind of get over here. Yeah, just, I keep, would just throwing, keep, keep throwing yeah, them. Yeah. Keep being cheap. That's, that's all a, I had. That was my cheat move. Yeah. I sucked at games like that, though. See, my friends were all good. They'd play all the time. I was too busy in Taekwondo. You were too busy swimming. actually fighting. I was actually <laughs> going to Taekwondo. So these guys would kill me. I was like, ah, yeah. so I'd have to do the cheapest moves possible. I was well, like, I'm sitting on my couch. You're, you're actually learning I'm all, the, all like, of these kicks. I'm like, I'll do this in real person. I don't yeah. need A, A, B, backslide, A, X. I was like, Ugh. 
They're like, I Liu saw. Kang, I can do that. I can yeah. do what Liu Kang so does. be the cheapest one. Even Street Fighter. Like, I have friends, and I can't even bother playing Street Fighter. They're too good. Yeah. They're too good. So I became a Street Fighter button pusher. Just use E Honda and just keep doing that. Or the Chung Lee kick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who did you play with Street Fighter? Um, at first, I was a big Guile guy. Okay. And then I moved over to Ryu and Ken. Yeah, yeah. And, that's Aku- me. and Akuma. But now I'm Saget. Like, I'm, oh, I'm really good with Saget. Yeah, yeah, I'm really good with Saget. I like it. He's kind of like my, my secret weapon because yeah. a lot of people are Ryu Ken. Tiger uppercut. But he's really he's long. See, he's used those uppercuts I talk about. Yeah, that's why he's, he's so successful. The, the, the flying knee, like you also mentioned. Yeah, the and show, the uppercuts. The there you go. And he's, he's got guy. some good low kicks, too. And, and he has fi- up high and low fireballs, too. Yeah. Yeah, because what bad. you do is you go low fireballs, and then people come at you, and you start and throwing they, the uppercut. Then they start jumping, and then yeah, boom, and you, you get, get them, them with off the, the jump. Or the uppercut. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Ryu can have only single level fire. Uh, yeah, it's just cool because they're like the real karate guys. You know, they have the suit on. Yeah, they're exactly. the best looking the ones. So they, yeah, they're sharp looking. Oh, you're talking about Ryu and Ken. Yeah, Ryu they've and got Ken. Their geese, yeah, yeah. The nice gi, cut off arms, nice headbands. The you know that 360 kicks that they throw. Yeah, they were just too cool. Who's for the Saka. worst? I guess Zangief is probably the worst. Yeah, it was slow. It was just hard to. You have to get close and grab people. But those who use Blanca were good. Yeah, they, if, they that, use, if you knew how to use Blanca, you were too. in trouble. A lot of the people that were really good at Street Fighter got bored of being so good that they learned how to master Zangief, and then Zangief ended up being like the best guy because yeah. if you got those like flying They're flying so pile drivers, you take so much life off of. I people. had another buddy who was good with Bison. Yeah, that, who was just like because they could transport across. That's like, James Lynch. James Lynch is a is a, is bison a bison guy. guy? Yeah, yeah. it wasn't real Lynch. enough martial arts looking for me to like it. So I needed someone that looked like real martial arts for me to appreciate. Do you remember Pit Fighter? That was like the first no. MMA game. It was just it was, like, it was just pit fighting. Basically. There was Tekken there was no at one fire. point. Yeah. I can't remember the names of of guys in Tekken, but I used Paul. to like Tekken. Paul and who else did we have? Uh, who else was it? Tekken. Paul. Paul. I can't remember Paul. There was the guy who was the tiger. I can't remember the there names. Was Eddie, who I did like the capoeira. It. Yes, I loved Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Eddie was my guy. Yeah, yeah. it was Tekken cap- Two. Yeah, Tekken Two. I liked. Yeah, and Virtual Fighter. If you remember, I never played Virtual Fighter. No, that was another one that was just like no fireballs. It was just strictly hand-to-hand combat. Sure. Yeah, hmm. but Pit Fighter. You just look up Pit Fighter. It was Pit Fighter was like, good. Was and what like system was it characters. on? They had it for. It was first an arcade game, and then it like got ported to Genesis and SNES. Okay. You see, all of my friends are retro gaming guys. Yeah. So they hooked me up with like the retro Nintendo box now so yeah. I can play the old Nintendo games. Just the new games now are just so advanced. You have to be so good at it. Like I can't play those battle royales. What's a um a Super Street Fighter or a Super No, Smash the Brothers? new ones that everyone's playing now. The the one it's they're called battle royales. Oh, I don't know. You're, you're the main one, Aaron. Right. Come on. I got three kids. I don't play video games. I don't have time. The most popular game right What's now. Fortnite. Fortnite. Okay. Yes, that's the name. Yeah. That's too advanced for me. I was playing with my nephews. I have to learn how to jump and climb and build at the same time, and and then they're just way too good. Even the the Call of Duties. It's just to play online, and it's just oh, it's too advanced. Guys are too good. They have nothing else to do, so they just play all day. And of course, I'm going to lose. <laughs> yeah, too frustrated. I hate losing, Aaron. I'm not going to play to lose. Are you here next week? Um, I'm here next week. Yeah. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll break down Khabib versus Poirier next week. But yeah, uh, I'm also fighting for on that. that. Yeah, fighting on that card. UFC 242 in uh, Abu Dhabi. We've got Zach Cummings who's taking on Omari Ahmedov, and he joins us now on the TSN MMA show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. Joining us now on the TSN MMA show, it's Zach Cummings. I last spoke to Zach. In Rochester, New York, after his win over Trevin Giles, he now turns it around. UFC 242, Omari Ahmedov. You looking forward to the travel, Zach? Uh, I am. I am. I, I love. Uh, I love traveling and seeing the world and being able to do what I love to do. So this is. Uh, 
uh, it's a pretty cool experience. Absolutely. Now, you fought in different places uh, overseas before, Northern Ireland, Chile, Croatia. Uh, does this differ at all? Not really. You know, it's just uh, another opportunity to see another part of the world, another culture, and uh, just kind of experience everything and really just, uh, you know, kind of in- – Travel and enjoy stuff, enjoy the moment. But you know, when it when it comes down to it, you know, when I step in, I'm inside the cage. Like nothing changes. It's the it's the same cage. It's me and one other person in there fighting, and uh, doesn't matter if we're in my backyard or if we're across the world. So uh, I'm, the experience will be fun of traveling, but you know, it, it won't change the fight. Now, the big difference between this fight and the last couple times you've gone overseas is that you will be 185 pounds once again. For the last two fights, you were 185. You're 2-0 and at that weight class. How much of a weight is that off of your shoulder, no pun intended, uh, having to travel and not having to worry about cutting all that weight? Uh, definitely makes things a lot easier, especially with these international flights. Uh, that, was a, one of the, that was a huge deal whenever you're – you're traveling these different countries and not really knowing, like, you know, are they going to have sun? Are they going to have a hot tub? You just don't know what uh, what they have, you know, exactly how the food is, you know, where you are on everything. So whenever, you know, for me to make welterweight, it was, I had a very drastic cut. So whenever I had, uh, you know, these other obstacles to kind of overcome, it was a lot harder to deal with. So, I mean, being at, being at middleweight, I still cut weight, but it's, it's much easier. It's a lot of... You know, it's a, it's a little it just simplifies everything. It really does. I mean, I can I can go out there and work it off if I have to. I can jump in a sauna if I need to. If a, if a hot tub is what I prefer, is around, I can use it. But I don't. Uh, it's not as stressful, so it's uh, should be a lot easier. Now I'm not sure how superstitious you are, but in the UFC, you've won two and then lost one, and then won two and then lost one. You're on the two fight winning streak. Do you look at that at all? Does that worry you? Not at all. Um, you know, I've won 16 fights in a row. I've lost two in a row. Uh, you know, just for for some reason, the last you know last few years is uh, you know it's just kind of how it's been. I mean, but it I'm mean, I've lost super close fights. I've I've lost ones where I actually thought I won the fight. So you know, anything happens, you you start winning. You're fighting another guy that's winning a lot, and you're in the uh, the opponents are getting better. It's just part of the sport. Uh, but there's no superstition in, involved at all. Um, you know, I'm I'm right outside the top 15. I've got I'm fighting another guy who's also right outside that ranking, and you know we're gonna we're gonna step up, and we're both stepping up in competition and fighting each other. And I mean, I have all intentions on winning. And I don't think just because I won two in a row is going to be the uh, you know the end of me for uh, for this fight. So yeah, it's not gonna bother me at all. You're quietly eight and three in the UFC. I mean, I remember when you were fighting Jan Cabral and you were a big underdog and you came through and won that fight. Um, do you feel like momentum has been the issue? Is like is starting to amass that win streak um, the thing that's kind of held you back from getting the bigger fights in the UFC? I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I, I wish, I wish I had an answer. You know, I mean the uh, the guys at the UFC are insanely intelligent when it comes to business. Um, you know, it, it's an entertainment sport as well. I mean, if it was just about fighting and winning fights, I mean, I've obviously done pretty good and, uh, you know, might be a little bit bigger than what I am. But, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I, there there's some things outside of fighting that I could probably do. I could probably try to create some persona and character and, you know, talk a whole bunch. It's just not me, man. It's, uh, 
you know, I'm, I, I can't, I can't create a fake character in person and, and then try to like, just keep up with that stuff. I just, uh, it, it's hard for me, you know, and I have, uh, I know like you get these guys that want to try to play the heel and, you know, and, and get all mouthy and do stuff. And I mean, I mean, I own, I own a gym. I have family and kids and stuff in there. Like I want them to see the same person every day. And then I want them to see that person, uh, in there fighting on TV and stuff and not, uh, not some character who they know that's not the real person. So it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is. I can just kind of keep putting my head down and, uh, continue to try to win fights and, uh, and finish in, you know, devastating fashion. Like, like I normally do when I finish fights and, uh, that's just kind of the goal, you know? So, I mean, I can't, I can't control everything, but I can control me in their fighting. Do you get annoyed by that when you see, you know, the first person that comes to mind is Colby Covington, where he's basically taken on a whole new persona. If you watch interviews with him from two, three years ago, he's a totally different guy. But that being said, he's fighting for a title soon. Um, not that he hasn't earned it, but does that kind of thing annoy you when you see fighters taking on this kind of weird persona? Yes and no. I mean, I, it's like I said, it's a, it's the entertainment sport. I completely understand uh, some of this. Uh, Colby gets on my nerves just for you know multiple reasons. I mean, one, it's obviously insanely fake. <laughs> uh, you know, I've seen I've seen interviews of him like being kind of a real person. I can get behind him because he can fight, and he uh, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's a phenomenal fighter. Uh, you know, it sucks that. You know, he had to kind of turn to what he's doing. Uh, but, I mean, I just feel like he's going around things the wrong way. You get guys like, you know, Chael Sonnen and, uh, and Connor and, you know, guys like that where, you know, they might talk all kinds of trash and everything. But at the end of the day, after the fight, they normally be, are pretty respectful and, like, find a way to make it right. And Colby just doesn't have that. You know, it's one of those where he's disrespectful and then all of a sudden you know the fight's over and right when he can kind of you know maybe maybe earn the capacity of some uh some new fans and stuff and and, and build his base he's just like he shuts it back down and is completely disrespectful again so uh just for me as a person how i am uh i just can't get behind that it really uh it bugs me it annoys me i mean i respect the fact that that kid can fight but just with the the character it's not me and you know, if that's how he wants to go through and make his money and live his life, that's on him. That's cool. But it's just not something I'm going to do. You know, it's funny. I said something similar to Henry Cejudo. I said this, you know, this wasn't a behind-the-scenes story. I said this to him on camera. Oh but I said to him, like, your story is incredible. Like, his backstory <laughs> of where he came from and how poor him and his family were and, and all of the help that he got along the way. It's, it's just such a triumphant story. And then he's going and doing what he's doing now, and I feel like it's turning everybody off and taking any capital that he could have earned from telling that story and, and really just flipping it on its head. And I just can't, for the life of me, understand it. Uh, on Cejudo? Yeah. Yeah. If, man, I, that's another one. That's, <laughs> I have no Like, that was overnight, you know, just trying to, again, just trying so hard and, just saying the most ridiculous stuff. I, I don't know. I, again, he's another one. I just can't stand. You know, two-time two time champion, you know, in, in weight classes, Olympic gold medalist. I mean, he's got so much good to to lean on. And, man, just, I, just being something, trying to be something he's not. And, again, it's like I get so, not everybody's good people. And some people, you know, can like, well, they're going to talk trash and they want to be mean and, and do whatever. But when it's – obviously 
forced and fake, and it's almost laughable. So, uh, but I mean, you know, he, he's out there, he's beating the best guys in the world and doing his thing. So power to that. But yeah, it's just that part of the sport and entertainment side is really hard for me to kind of get behind. It really is. So tell me about family life for you. How hard is it to maintain a balance between family and, and being a professional fighter? Uh, I mean, it's all I know. You know, it's not it's not hard because it's all I know. Uh, I mean, I've I've had my wife behind me and supported me since uh, <laughs> years and years and years ago, and you know, allowed to kind of allow me to basically fight for this journey and uh, try to do this for the rest of my life, and allowed me to get in, you know help support me while I train and while I get in the UFC, and then I mean, just kind of keeps me grounded and. And everything we have fun, and now I've got you know a little a, a daughter that will be two in October, and man, just watching her and take care of her and stuff is like it's it, it's easy to balance this stuff because I love fighting. It's something I do every single day. I train. I'm in the gym. Uh, you know, I'm always preparing and involved in trying to get better. But I mean, it sadly, it's a young man's sport, and it only lasts so long. And uh, I mean, my family's going to be there for, you know, for the rest of my life. So uh, I can't, you know, some people will just cut everything out of their life and they focus on that. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm having a good time. I have a great teammate uh, team around me, and then I have, you know, my family with me too. So it's everything's just another day. There's nothing, there's no balance. There's no, uh, I, I literally just do the, the same stuff all the time. I don't have to, uh, I don't know, it's not like a, a sacrifice or anything. It's just everything I know. Now, one of those teammates is uh, James Krause. Uh, James hasn't fought since uh, almost a year to this day, actually. A year ago, I think yesterday was uh, his last... Oh, actually, it is today. Year, it's the year anniversary of uh, probably the biggest win of his career over Warley Alves. I saw today that he's going to be fighting Sergio Moraes later this year. Uh, what was the um, the holdup from him fighting again? Did he get injured or anything along those lines? No, uh, you know, James has a few things. So, like, we, we both have uh, we both have gyms. You know, he we, we kind of started the original gym down where that he runs. So, like, we have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of our pros down there. So, Grant Dawson and, uh, and Megan Anderson, a few of those people. So, you know, amongst, you know, more, the, uh, just to, to make it short, you know, there's a, Grant Dawson had to, he had to overcome a whole bunch of stuff. You know, we had a, uh, kind of a side of mix up and it took it, it took almost a year to kind of free up and then once once it did and they kind of like admitted the wrong and everything and like re-signed them and they, all that happened like James kind of just made it a point that you know he wasn't going to take a fight and go and fighting camp uh, and training camp so Grant pretty much gets one you know get the fight get back in there and everything so uh you know and he's been he's been trying to build a just build life up you know he's been you know buying some real estate and doing all that type of stuff and trying to set his uh set himself up for success once he's done fighting and so he was just happy coaching and uh and kind of dealing with the, the real estate stuff and, and doing everything that way you know and he's one of those like you know he loves fighting but whenever you know he's got to kind of be in the mood he's been so happy coaching right now that it really wasn't that big of a I don't know. He just didn't feel like really stressed about having to step in and fight. And I think, I think now that he's seen, you know, me take, you know, me fight a couple of times and, uh, Grant's been in there doing well and, you know, me gets had some fights and stuff. So it's kind of, you know, he's getting that itch again to get back in there and, uh, 
and now it looks like he's going to Brazil and fighting Mr. Sergio Marias, which is funny because I was supposed to fight him twice, and they both fell through. And uh, that was actually the first matchup that James got whenever he fought Worley, because uh, Sergio some happened and backed out, and uh, they replaced him with uh, with Worley Alves. So uh, now looks like hopefully we'll see if this one goes down. Awesome. Well, looking forward to seeing his return and looking forward to seeing you can compete at uh, UFC 242. Uh, Omari Ahmedov, the opponent, that's next weekend. Uh, we appreciate your time, Zach. Thanks for this. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. That was Zach Cummings, who's making the trip to Abu Dhabi to take on Omari Ahmedov. That's a, yeah, that's a fun card. We'll it's a fun trip, that. too. I mean, You've I have one of my fighters. No, that's one of my... Uh, I was supposed to go. I'll give you guys this quick sad story. I was supposed to go. I was booked. I had my ticket. Just got my visa. My girlfriend at the time was in Dubai, in Abu Dhabi, and she broke up with me before I went. So then my family knew that uh, old Joe had some anger issues, that stuff. So they're like, you know what? It's probably better you don't go to Dubai and Abu Dhabi and maybe see something you don't like and have to get in trouble down there. But uh, So I decided not to go after she broke up Did you get like a me. refund of some sort? Uh, yeah, I got most of it back. Okay. I think I lost the visa money. but uh, Visa money is not much though, right? Yeah, it was a, hundred, a couple hundred bucks probably. Hundred bucks, like maybe. But you, I, lost, I definitely a, lost a couple hundred bucks in it. Why but. do you need a visa to travel there? Just to like, visit I don't know. somebody. This was, I mean, this would have been five, six years ago now. Okay. But yeah, she broke up with me, so I never got to go. What's she up to now? Um, she, we got back together since then. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We took a f- four-year layoff. I won my world title. Then we got back together oh, suddenly again. Suddenly she's knocking down old then Joe's we, door. Yeah, after the world title. Then we got back together for a couple years, and then we broke up now for a couple years. Now she's dating Cedric Dumbay, I've heard. Cedric Dumbay. Yeah, I, I made that up. Uh, I know. Show. Nikki Holtzkin, too. <laughs> yeah, she went yeah. from Nikki Holtzkin yeah. to Cedric Dumbay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. That's funny. But she was, actually, she, was on the, uh, she was on the Amazing Race a couple of seasons ago, too. Oh, cool. Because we were supposed to do it together, um, but I never... Um, we Please made don't it tell to, me she was like with Elias or something. No, 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 okay, no. no. Um, she went with her other like close friend, uh, Corey. Um, so, yeah, no, she ended up going on and, and doing that. But uh, Did they win? No, I think they came second or third. Well, that's I not think. bad. Okay. Yeah, yeah, not bad. But we were supposed to go on it. We did the interviews and stuff. But uh, I don't think I'm gonna say I didn't get it because they asked. Uh, they had to do a health like uh, profile at that time. I was just fresh out of concussion symptoms, so I was like, eh, I don't, should I lie about it? Should I write concussion symptoms? But some of the the stuff that they do, I'm like, I don't want to put my head through that. Yeah, right. It's not worth jumping and putting and hurting myself for that. So. Uh, they didn't get on, but that season, I think Elias got on that season. Yeah, that's the on one he did. Yeah, and then this the the one after they have Dave Leduc. Now they always like one fighter. They always like to have one yeah, fighter girlfriend couple. Yeah, they like to have Leduc one is... one gay lesbian couple, one brother sister, one father daughter, and you know, yeah. one Apparently fighter. Leduc is pissing everybody off on the show. Is he? Yeah, yeah they're, okay. like, they're cheating and winning by any means necessary. And, All right. Yeah. That's how he wants to do it. That's it. You got to win. You got that fighter's mentality. Beating up Thai prisoners and uh, winning on uh, at the Amazing Race. That's it. Why not? <laughs> win in life. So Cedric, Cedric Dumbay was on Rogan. I haven't had a chance to listen yeah, yet. Yeah, it was okay. Um, he's, uh, he was with Khabib recently, if I if Yeah, I he's, at, uh, he's training out with them now. Wow. Um, there's another glory fighter who trains there, and I think they're friends. Um, so he just connected with them, but he's really set on moving to UFC after his contract. So I know um, from a glory side, I put my glory hat on. Um, it's kind of like I was a little disappointed with my glory hat on that he didn't um, over talk kickboxing, didn't promote us enough. And it kind of looked like 
Um, and Rogan even asked him, saying, "Is so you're just looking at kickboxing as a stepping stone to other things. So instead of looking at it as its own independent world championship, which is great, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just now a stepping stone to go onto the UFC, which kind of sucks as a kickboxer because you want people to stay with kickboxing. But so. the UFC don't sign 0-0 fighters for the most part. Like they yeah. did with Saki was, I guess, 0-1. But they usually don't fight sign fighters that are that green. Yeah. Well, he's... He's uh, still under contract with Glory, so he has another year and a half where he said he's going to focus strictly on his wrestling. But if he's doing that, he's just going to suffer, and he's going to lose these these bigger bouts now with guys who are fully straight kickboxing. Well, if they don't have the wrestling takedown defense, how are they going to beat them in <laughs> kickboxing? Well, I don't know. You'll see. But with, I don't just know. Throw the flying knees. Just throw it. Just something. <laughs> but with him, it's like, it's like uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's frustrating. But he's calling out. He called out Nate Diaz. He called out Pettis. He's calling out the top five in the division, and I don't even think he has great wrestling. So we'll see. He made he made a. I'm excited as a as a martial arts fan. I'm excited that he wants to do that. But as a glory employee and as a as a purist and and the love that I have for kickboxing, I feel he didn't represent us as well as I would have liked. All right, well there you go. I haven't had a chance to listen yet. So should yeah. I just not listen? No, you can listen. You <laughs> maybe give your opinion. But yeah, like I, I wanted a true representation of kickboxing, like. Show your love for it, you know. Show how show people how great of a sport it is. Still, show people how exciting and how amazing it is. It doesn't always have to be like just because you're on Rogan to only talk about MMA. I would have liked a little bit more, but they did mention me because we talked about Holtzkin and stuff. So I'm still a Doom Bay fan, and I, I've been watching him and seeing him grow. I've been excited. So regardless, I like it as a fan, but not as a as a straight purist. I met Joe for the first time, uh, actually, at the last uh, UFC. Yeah? Yeah, I was backstage. He said, hi, how are you? I shook, my, shook hands. I said, hi, Joe. Nice. Nice, nice to meet you. He said, yeah, you too. And that was it. That was, our, that was me that meeting was the Joe meeting. Rogan. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> he wanted to, to, he wa- wanted to talk to Megan O'Levy, who I was talking to at the time, but yeah. he, he recognized me and said hi. So. Nice. That's yeah. just nice. Yeah. Yeah. Megan, if she wasn't with Joe Benavides, I'd want to talk to her too. <laughs> I don't think that was Joe's intent. No, I know, but I'm saying my this Joe's intent would be that. <laughs> it's the circle of Joe's. The Joe, circle Joe of Benavidez, this Joe Valpolini, yeah. and Joe Rogan. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I like Benavidez, so out of respect. Joe no. Benavidez is perhaps the nicest guy in Ever. the UFC. Ever. Yeah, he's the nicest such a ever. friendly guy. Like I said, when I met him at the UFC Performance Institute, I became an instant fan of his. Mm-hmm. Just how positive and how nice and how social and smiling went out of his way to make sure he said hi to everybody and his coaches were pleasant. Everybody was happy. No one was out there mean mugging. So instant fan of Joe Benavidez. Yeah. And I hope he's... he gets the title shot. I hope he gets it. Yeah. Is it it is looks it? like it. I mean, Dana White was asked about it this past week, and he's like, I guess the question was Henry Cejudo's calling out all of these guys. Like, uh, he called out Jose Aldo. He called out Frankie Edgar. And uh, Dana said, well, he should be calling out Joseph Benavidez. Yeah, I And basically that. he said that if he's not going to defend against Benavidez first, like, he's going to have to just drop the title. So what was Dana saying? They're relaunching the UFC fight pass? Yeah, in October. Yeah, and, and, and what, what is planned for it? And what, what is the plan for it? I think we're going to see a lot more stuff being done at the Apex. Like, I think the Apex is going to host... Invicta, one thing he alluded were to saying, was that right? Invicta might do an event on the Friday before a major UFC event, so they can kind of we were. I think we were trying to get Glory in there as well. That's a good move, man. I think we were like trying it. to do, like, a, a road to Glory there. Cool. That's awesome. I hope. I hope. Yeah, so that's the kind of thing I think that that's... I think that's kind of the next step in the UFC's evolution is the Apex using that as a way to scout fighters as a way to give other promotions a space to to hold fights because as you know like think of it this way if you're a promotion and you can do a content trade where it's like you get to do something at the apex and it goes on fight pass 
the risk of promoting events is so much lower. Yeah, because you have you're, the you're barely paying up paying a venue fee, probably if if not at all. I mean, if, if anything, the UFC says we're going to put it, it on, to yeah, they're probably saying you, we're going to put this on Fight Pass. You can use the venue. Yeah, you don't have to worry much about selling tickets, um, because the the venue's not that big, and if they sell tickets to what does it event, hold? A couple hundred? Yeah, like a couple hundred people. So really, it takes away a lot of the risk of the promotion, and sometimes. In some cases, I would imagine the UFC might even pay to have them there if they're going to be able to put it on Just Fight Pass, and then the, the fighters content. will yeah. end up getting some money. So It seems positive regardless. Yeah, so I think that's kind of the direction that they're going in next. Okay. So we'll see. Uh, YouTube.com, look up Joseph Valtellini. Latest video, transitioning between ranges, and you also have a combo of the day, which uh, exhibits said methods. Yeah. <laughs> now, you have to. People don't know how to close range. How do you get from striking to clinch? How do you get from, you know, that's that's a very important skill. So a lot of people think you just grab. No, you don't just grab because you have someone punching you. How do you control the hands? What types of combinations? How do you feint to get in? So I give you strategies to get from long range to mid range, mid range to clinch. Transitioning between ranges. All right. Boom, and you, boom. Can, you can learn that in person. 680 Progress Road in Scarborough, Ontario. Joe, thanks for this. All right. Thanks, See you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.